welcome to the GameDev.in podcast. In this episode, Arjun and Yadu catch up with Shailesh Prabhu to talk about his history with the Indian games industry, the early indie scene in India, and much more. All right, today we have uh, Shailesh Prabhu uh, with us, uh, who is the founder of Yellow Monkey Studios and uh, maker of many, many awesome games uh, and also communities as well. Uh, and many other things as well, which he will tell us what he has been doing for his entire life now. Uh, over to you, Shailesh. Hi, uh, I'm Shailesh. I um, have been working in games for, I don't know, since 2004 or five, I think. Um, so, yeah, for almost nine years, nine months, uh, I was... Um, at Yellow Monkey, which I founded and ran for for that long. Um, yeah, mm, I've worked at a bunch of studios in India uh, and before that, and after Yellow Monkey, I've worked at a bunch of studios in Copenhagen and then a distributed work studio and then now in Malmo in Sweden. Um, yeah, I've worked on different scale of games from casual to hyper casual to AAA to, um, and we had uh, a small community which we were, we were also running back back when I was in India, which uh, which Yadu was also I think part of uh, local indie game devs long ago, uh, and I've helped like with some other community initiatives that that were active in India when I was there. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, me. <laughs> that's the uh, briefest brief intro that we've had, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Good <laughs> intro, good intro. Uh, Shailesh, but uh, when you start, before you started Yellow Monkey Studios, um, mm-hmm. did you just start on a whim or did you have some professional experience or what was your gateway into starting your own studio? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I was always uh, interested in, in making games for for a while before that. And I didn't really know much uh, of what, uh, of how many studios there were and what kind of job opportunities there were for making games in India. So I, I always kind of had this in mind that, you know, maybe if we have to make games, it's going to be like, we'll have to do our own thing. But... Uh, yeah, I did uh, right out of engineering college. I got a job in at a games publisher that was uh, publishing. Um, it was called Ragnarok Online. It was a Korean MMO RPG oh, being, being published. I, I remember yeah. getting a CD yeah. with uh, <laughs> score or chip yeah. or something. Chip, yeah. chip, I think, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was working there for a few months and it was basically like um, yeah, uh, a Philippines-based publisher that was uh, publishing the game here uh, in India, actually, not here. <laughs> um, but And then soon after that, I, got, I was working, I found myself working for Druva Interactive uh, in their mobile games team. Um, and then soon after, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so I worked uh, after that uh, for a bit at Drua Interactive, and then I had to move back to um, 
Mumbai, because uh, Dhruva is based in Bangalore. And uh, I had to move back to Bombay, and then I took up a job at Nazara uh, at the time. And when I was at Nazara, I was like already doing a lot of uh, things in the value chain of game development. And also we had, um, I, I helped them, uh, me and a bunch of friends, uh, helped them create the, the team there at the time. Um, so I found myself thinking that, well, here, we helped them set up the team and we were also doing a lot of stuff uh, right from uh, development to conceptualizing to um, marketing and uh, of course design and production. So I just felt like um, since we were doing pretty much everything, it was it wouldn't be the most uh, outrageous thing to do it ourselves. And then me and one of my university friends, Avin, uh, we decided to, you know, quit and uh, start off working on something a bit more creative than what was really happening in India at the time. And so we started Yellow Monkey and we worked on our first game, which was a point and click adventure for, uh, for the Nintendo DS. That was how we started. Were you always doing design uh, at Dhruva and Nazara? Were you, were yeah. you focused on? Okay. At, at, at Dhruva, it was mostly game design. At Nazara, I was doing design as well as production uh, and also like marketing and stuff, like talking to publishers and uh, talking to um, of the ISP, not ISPs, the mobile network store owners. This was back in the day of uh, pre-iOS app store days. So pre-smartphone game. The primitive days. Yes. <laughs> then we were still hiding in caves. Yep. <laughs> so when you started uh, Yellow Monkey, uh, was uh, was it just about kind of the iOS boom starting up? Was, was it was it around that time? No, it was a couple of years before that. I think we started in two thousand five. Okay. Uh, and at that time, we were working towards like we wanted to do um, more something more interesting than what was happening in India because in India at the time it was all mostly all Bollywood cricket and astrology kind of stuff. Uh, What's so, wrong with astrology? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's if, all in the stars. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not, yeah. Nothing is wrong if you if that's what you want to do. But you know, you can make money in a lot of ways. It's just that we didn't want to do that. So yeah. we were thinking of doing something more like a more video game. So you're saying you didn't want to <laughs> make money, Shailesh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that evident? <laughs> Long-winded way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to work on, we wanted to do like some console PC style games. And we realized that since we already had a background in mobile, maybe the next best step would be to start off with handheld console. And both me and Avan really loved our Nintendo DS at the time. So we were we started on working on a DS uh, adventure game. Uh, we got a publisher interested. We got lots of very amazing mentors at the time. And it was uh, good, but then the publisher went bankrupt in the 2000, in 2008. 
uh, along with all the fallout of the crisis, uh, the financial crisis. And then we were like, okay, in 2007, the iOS store sort of like started. So we were like, okay, it's we need to be able to be in a position where we can make smaller stuff if we want to survive. We need to be able to make smaller stuff and uh, publish it ourselves. So we're not depending on publishers as such. Um, so that's when we decided to, and, and the platform that we could do it on at the time was iOS. So that's when we switched to iOS. And during this time, did you set up an office or were you working out of your garage? Yeah, so we started off uh, working out of my bedroom slash office. It was large enough to host two tables and uh, me and Avin used to work from there every day. Um, eventually, as we grew, there was like another room in my in my apartment, which was like, well, in my mother's apartment, uh, <laughs> which was large enough to have like five-ish tables and a little bit extra space. So it was in the, um, it was on the ground floor. Yeah, we operated the studio from there. Awesome. So when you started off, uh, what games were you planning to, you know, start off with? Like, what was your initial ideas? Yeah. So the first one was like a, as I said, a, an adventure game, kind of humorous, a little bit on the on the lines of like. Day of the Tentacle and those kind Monkey of things. Light. Yeah, something like that. It was okay. called Mortley. Yeah, it was called Mortley, a stitch in time. It was about this weird character that was made up with stitched up body parts and you could swap them with other things to gain abilities and solve puzzles. Um, once, that, once we couldn't finish that, uh, that was pretty evident. We started working on iOS and then we started looking at what were the strengths of the platform and so we looked at doing like a touch screen football game which was the first one we released on our on our own we were doing some project work at the, at the time to also gain some finances and you know do some uh, get some experience um, but the first one we released was uh, finger footy and that was more like a screen top-down soccer game which we felt which looks really bad now so <laughs> it, it hasn't aged well but the idea there was just like exploring what kind of controls would work well on a touchscreen game for uh, for a soccer game because at the time everyone was putting you know those on-screen keypads which uh, or game pads which I wasn't a big fan of still still not a big fan of um, so yeah, that was the first one. And then yeah. we wanted so to do a little typically, bit. Yeah. how would you Sorry. pick a process? Like, um, did you analyze the market or did you just approach an idea and say, oh, this works well for this kind of mobile device or hand console and then work on that idea? Or was it more like a market-oriented uh, ideation process? Yeah, it was never really market-oriented. For us, it was like looking at strengths and weaknesses, like what was our strength? and uh, what were the strengths of the concept or the platform we were looking on. So with Finger Footy, it was, and also it's just a thought, uh, it was more about just exploring different kinds of like uh, doing something a bit more experimental and looking at uh, 
control schemes and like figuring out which what fit best for the game. Um, by the time we did Hubricks, it was more about like, okay, we know what our strengths are and uh, what kind of game can we make for this platform using those strengths. Like we never had a proper character animator slash artist of that kind on, on our team. So uh, we were like, okay, how can we, how can we make a game with what we have that can actually be, you know, something um, to look at, to look at something that might have a decent chance of success. So like after finger footy and it's just a thought, our focus was more about like, okay, we know what the, what we can do on the platform. And then we were like, okay, what can we do in terms of like production realities and shape the idea around that. How kind of uh, much of a success were these games at that point? Uh, and how do you, um, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a way, like this was, this was when, um, free to play was, I guess, too, like not in the picture as much and everything was pretty much premium. Um, uh, and at the, at that point you were also kind of experimenting with your own kind of, uh, an artistic process. Um, and so how, how did that all kind of blend in at that point? Uh, I, I would say like by the time it's just the thought was out, I think free to play was already kind of the thing. It was like, um, but we still, like, I think it was 2011 when it came out. So there was some free to play out there by then. Um, I would say with our first two games, we weren't super successful, but we managed with finger footy, we actually managed to like uh, make, uh, like get a response from some people at, at Apple and get some feedback from them and like, okay, you know, this, yeah. And that, that uh, was further, actually, no. Uh, it was more around, uh, it's just a thought. Uh, when, we, when we released It's Just a Thought, we actually uh, won an award in Spain for the best original idea. And then we got featured by an article on Dutch Arcade, I think which was talking about, I don't remember which publication it was, but it was talking about five great games that were um, that were kind of crushed by big holiday releases. Uh, yeah. We were stupid. We released, uh, released around the holiday season that time. Hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, so that, and then when, like, when we wrote to like, uh, Apple and stuff. We also got some feedback, which was really good. We were featured in a, in a bunch of countries um, for that game. Uh, not any major market, but it was like the first time we got featured at the, at the uh, for that game. We also got featured in India, and uh, the weeks we were featured, we were the top paid uh, games in India at the time. And it's a funny story because those weeks we sold like five copies per week. <laughs> so this was this was still early, I think 2000, 2011, 2012. So yeah, but still, yeah, I was uh, 
it's a funny little anecdote I like to use. <laughs> nice. um, did you then, reach out to these publications or did they reach out to you? And I mean, how do you get eyeballs in those kind of places internationally? Yeah, I think uh, part of my thing was always to make sure like we were reaching out to all the people. Uh, for the first two games, I don't like, we didn't really receive so much um, attention till we got like uh, that article that we got featured in. And that was, I don't know if it was because we reached out or they liked the game or something. So it's, it's hard to say, uh, but uh, we were, we just found out that we were on that list and then, you know, uh, and, and subsequently like we made more of an effort to like make sure, okay, the, these publications kind of covered us. So we, we should write to them and um yeah, and those kind of deep, not deep, but, you know, those kind of like just being aware of where we can uh, get some attention to our products and to the games and things like that. Yeah, uh, the, the reason I asked was well, currently, I, I think many people use the social media to basically pro proactively advertise their games. Uh, but that still doesn't ensure, you know, um, any mass media kind of uh, coverage. So yeah, I was curious. Uh, does it make sense to actually leverage uh, social media now? Now in this current situation, more than you know, through your traditional media uh, coverage kind of thing. I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's. I think with this kind of stuff, there is no real one answer. You have to do everything, uh, or I would say you have to do as much as you can do. Uh, obviously everyone and every team has their limits. Um, so I would say do whatever you can in your limits. If it's only social media, then sure. If it's social media and traditional like uh, campaigns, do, th do that. If you can also do like paid campaigns, do that. Like do whatever you can to ensure the, the game reaches an audience because you have no control over what's going to work. And sometimes random things can work and just set off a chain of events. Yeah. So then you did Hubricks, right? After, it's just a thought. Or yeah. did it come, it came after that, right? How yeah, did that Hubrix come about? Was... That was a nice little puzzle game, which was a bit different from what you had done previously. Yeah, so when we, after it's just about, we were like, okay, you know, what was interesting with that game was like the concept and the idea and like the music and a little bit of that kind of stuff, but not really like, wasn't really super strong on gameplay. And then we were like, okay, and but also to be fair, it was like a very short production time. So this time uh, we got a little bit of money from the award that we won and we also got some uh, money from our project work. So we were in a position where we could say, okay, now we want to do something where we can actually devote it some time. So um, let's let's make a game that we really want to. So then, as I said before, we went back to, the, to assess our strengths and we were like, okay, we can make something that doesn't really rely so much on uh, character art. And then the most, prominent genre that came to mind was puzzles. And so then we started reading a lot 
of like existing puzzle games and i was of the opinion that we should be able to make a puzzle game that we can prototype on paper so we can just like quickly you know um, come up with the ideas and like scrap them or iterate on them and then then we actually did actually manage to come up with the uh, hubrix on paper and then we were like okay we can make a small flash prototype uh, and krishna was uh, working uh, on that at the time and then we tested that with like around 100 people and we saw that it was testing really well and then we started like okay growing the game from there i remember the flash prototype ending up in congregate as well i think you yeah. or, or the website and then you had like after you finish your level see you could just go and buy the game yeah. and download uh, well, yeah, that that seems to have been useful at that point, I guess, like a small demo. I, yeah, I think we tried it, like uh, to to divert traffic from HTML uh, Flash websites to to iOS. But I think the switch of platform was very difficult. Like we almost got very very little conversion uh, on 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 those. Uh, Flash um, redirects uh, to, to App Store, but it was, as I said, it was like one of our ways of doing whatever we can to to get the attention to to our paid product, which was the iOS one. Um, so yeah, um, it was it was fine. I think a lot of people played the game on uh, on Congregate and some of these other Flash websites, so it was good. Did. The uh, Hubrix do better than the other games as expected, uh, and um, and and by that time, I guess free to play was kind of getting predominantly, uh, I guess, bigger and bigger uh, as a as a way of releasing games. Uh, so, uh, in hindsight, uh, like, what do you do? You have any thoughts about releasing it as a premium product versus? Uh, releasing it as a free-to-play, maybe. Uh, yeah, so Hubrix did substantially better for us. Uh, again, we reached out to all our uh, all the people who had like shown any interest or like any sort of like um, positive feedback or or not positive feedback, any feedback, like anyone who we had gotten uh, responses from, we we reached out back, like, hey, here's our next game, and you know tell us, please tell us what you think and, and just initiating conversation and, and we got a good response. And um, eventually we also were like active on some forums and stuff. And we, we got uh, really good features for Hubrix. We got, uh, at that time, it was like new and noteworthy features on, on iOS in the US store, which was really big. Um, and um, also on the Google Play Store, it will, uh, we got the featured to, on, on the first page. We didn't get banner features in any, any of those, but it was still pretty, pretty important because like being on the front page of these stores is especially like the best way to get uh, downloads, especially for a paid game. Um, so yeah, since we got some of that in major markets like US and Europe, we it did much, much better. It's probably the most successful game we are close enough uh, to the games that we did after that as well. So yeah, uh, one of the most successful games we worked on. And 
the second part of that question was, yeah, by then, definitely free-to-play was the de facto for mobile. Like, all the games were free-to-play at that time, uh, except, like, most of the indie titles. They were still doing premium stuff. So we were trying to just, like, uh, we were hoping that we would also be exist in that niche. Uh, it worked somewhat okay for us, I guess. I think uh, with regards to if we would want to have published it free to play, it's hard to say because I think you need to design a game ground up from free to play for it to work as free to play. You can't just make a game and then just paste free to play on top of it. It's very hard. It's very unlikely because like free to play, of course you can do like, a, hey, here's like the light version or like, you know, here's like 20 levels. And then if you want to play the full game, you unlock it by doing one purchase. And there are some studios that have had amazing success doing that uh, model. Uh, or like selling something simple, like the ability to save your progress or, uh, you know, just one purchase that's meaningful. And and that kind of free-to-play, I guess, can be added on a bunch of uh, games. That's but like, like the shareware model, right? Like that's what it did. They distributed yeah. the first level and then you purchase the whole game. Yeah, you can, you can, yeah, you could say that shareware or like, Sometimes it's also some functionality. I think some games did that, like you could play the whole game, but you can only save if you if you buy um, if you buy our premium premium unlock feature. I think I think uh, does not commute did that with the uh, yeah. save feature. Yeah, which was interesting. And that was really successful for them. Like they they did really well with that. Um, and I think all of their games had like this kind of thing where they had one purchase, but you could play all of their games pretty much. Um, even without that purchase. So that was, so yeah, shareware, but then also like some other interesting models, but like something like that could have probably worked. But I think other than that, largely free-to-play is designed to identify people who want to spend or who can spend in your game and then allow them to spend as much as they can. Uh, And if you don't design for that behavior, you can't, it's very difficult to just like take a premium game and say, okay, now it's going to be free to play like without a lot of work. So no, I don't think I would have wanted to release it purely as free to play. Post Hubricks, uh, we interestingly see uh, a lot of collaborations with different folks. Do you want to jump in and talk about them maybe, including social ball? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Actually, I must first met uh, Apurva. Actually, I first met Apurva's dad at uh, at a conference. Uh, he was showing Apurva's first prototype for Social Ball, and uh, I found that very endearing, <laughs> and it was nice. And then I waited around to talk to Apurva, and I was talking to him, and he he was he's a really smart really really smart probably one of the smartest people i know um kid at the time i guess i shouldn't say that because i'm old uh but yeah and he had a lot of energy and he really wanted to like you know look at how the game could could be made commercial or like how could the game actually be 
soul and who he should be talking to and those kind of discussions and i was like you know you can definitely make it uh commercial but you're going to have to polish the game a lot because at the time like the bar for i mean polish is such a weird word but it's just like you know make the ux really good and like have very little friction in in the ux and like there were some features in that game which were quite technical which uh, users or gamers are probably not really going to care about and how to make them a little bit more appealing um, and so then we worked a lot on that we actually started the they developed the game ground up uh, it was even a new engine so everything was from scratch um so yeah it was a lot of fun um um i forgot what i was talking about <laughs> but yeah so so then we we decided to after like having a bunch of these chats about what uh, how we could work together and how we could help with uh, social ball and what my vision for it was and what his vision for it was and it kind of matched so we we decided to work together on that and that was uh, that was super fun uh similar thing happened with luck i think uh i think we i also met him at a, at a conference and then deepak uh and we just really hit it off and i was seeing all the prototypes he was working on and uh, he was seeing stuff i was working on and then i was just like giving him lots of feedback on like hey you know you could try this with block and try that with block and like it got to a point where we he was like sending almost like weekly builds and like we were doing reviews and at at some point we were like i think we should just like work on this together because uh yeah and then that's how it went it was uh, both experiences were really good and um i would love to work with either of them again <laughs> someday i guess yeah so uh then what happened with the yellow monkey studios right after all these uh, games that you did and it mm-hmm. looks like you were still uh, experimenting and finding new stuff to do uh, yeah but then you took a different turn from there so what happened there yeah so after after block came out i think me and uh, like around even b- during block was being made i think around uh, me and manu uh, my programmer at yellow monkey he we were working on um sky sutra which is like this weird platform game versus two player local multiplayer platform game where you create the platforms for your opponent as you play um it was an interesting little experiment uh experimental game we we showed it around at some um showcases and conferences we got people who played it and I enjoyed it uh, i think at least it seemed uh, seemed fun but uh, production realities were difficult uh, the team was constantly churning and also at the time i was quite disillusioned with the game dev scene in india i was quite involved in some community activities and i really felt that people involved were letting the community down uh, in a big way um i yeah do what is this here come on <laughs> it it was not yeah do i can say that uh, 
but uh, but and also at the same time, I just felt like a, a little bit of a creative void in India. Like I think it was not so much interesting work was happening. There was a lot of like I don't know Ludo card games, those kind of stuff. Like maybe ten people's work in the entire country who who was like interesting. Yeah, I think uh, at some point we were doing the same kind of games over and over again. It was the same thing, yeah. Patti, Ludo, or something else. Yeah. yeah. Aren't we still? We I still do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, and then I just felt like, you know, and I, during my years before this, like for like promoting the game, I was traveling a lot to different countries and um, I really enjoyed the Nordic game conferences, which happened in Malmo. And I made a lot of friends here and I just like, it just felt uh, like home to me. Like it was so warm and welcoming, like not the, not the weather, but the, the people. Um, I had like so many meaningful discussions and like yeah, so many amazing games that I really liked were being made in this tiny part of the world, like Copenhagen and Malmo. Um, so at some point uh, we were like, we were also prototyping another game, which was like a music-based brawler, uh, a rhythm-based brawler. And uh, a friend studio in Copenhagen was working on a rhythm-based jazz narrative game called The Gentleman. And uh, they just asked if, if I would like to come over. And like, we were exchanging a lot of uh, tips and like what we wanted to do and things like that. and how the gameplay would work and 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 they just felt that I would be a good fit. So they offered me if I would like to come over and take over the project. And I yeah, I had I had a chat with Manu as well and seemed like he also felt like it was a good time to like look at other things. So then we so then yeah, I moved to Copenhagen and worked at that studio for for a while. Uh, Unfortunately, that game did not come out because that studio went bankrupt as they had some huge unpaid bills from one of their major clients. So even though this game had the money to to be developed because we got a grant from Creative Europe, uh, we the company itself had to go bankrupt. So we couldn't really use that money. It was very sad. So yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun game and a really amazing team at Cape Copenhagen. I loved my time there. Um, so then that happened. And uh, and then once you have a full-time job, I think it's it's harder to give attention to side projects. So side projects have been slower and, but still there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So how, how are you kind of keeping yourself busy on the side? What are what is brewing, maybe? Yeah. So after uh, when I was in Copenhagen, uh, Deepak and me worked on a, another prototype for a game called Warigami, which was uh, about folding uh, things, folding space and time. Basically, uh, it was like a puzzle game masquerading as an action game, sort of. Um, but it was, yeah, about holding space time. And we got like a Danish film Institute grant for the prototyping. 
and we worked on that and that was a lot of fun i still believe in the idea and uh, maybe i'll work on it uh, a bit more uh, if deepak has time um and then that that's pretty much been the last uh, uh, side project that i took to any major playable state um after that uh, around that time the the danish company i worked for went bankrupt so i had to move to sweden uh, i moved to sweden to malmo and uh, took took up another job and and then another one and uh, which is where i am now um so yeah and now most side projects haven't really reached that far but uh, i'm i'm thinking of doing something uh narrative and music based again uh but in a very different way to the two ideas i worked on before um so we will see if any of you guys are free and want to you know prototype yes. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you kind of going back to your roots, maybe uh, back to uh, Motley and you know? No, not not really. I mean, not those particular ideas, because like, uh, but I do enjoy single player narrative experiences or like puzzle experiences as well. Um, or so probably somewhere around or like some kind of action as well is fine. so it's somewhere in those spheres uh, i enjoy like i don't really um yeah i mean i i, w- I wouldn't say never but i think like my mind usually goes to these kind of games i guess do you get time to participate in game jams or things like that uh, it's it's hard i think with a full time job being also a bit older i i don't want to be up for 48 hours yeah i don't want to be up for 48 hours and make a game i'd rather just do it you know during my work time when i'm feeling productive like rather than like i think we discovered a new yourself. niche a new niche where you know for old timers yeah <laughs> eight, timers. eight hour work jam eight hour uh, game jams so it's like for, know, for over a week, week. <laughs> yeah exactly a work week Uh, yeah so not not so much i mean i sometimes take part in uh, or sometimes i just like do a little bit of like hanging out at some of these jam venues to just like oh look at the energy or like check out the games that's happening but uh, not that much jamming no but do you feel more creatively fulfilled like uh, i mean that's one of the reasons you left india though right that is part of the reason uh and i think like i do yes and no i think i can still like i feel closer to be able to do the things uh that would be interesting or at least you know talk a lot with like people and like who are doing stuff that interests me and then there's like it's always inspiring because you see others work and you see oh okay that's an interesting approach or like things like that so yes i do feel more fulfilled but also no because i don't have uh, a strong project that are in in a good enough state uh, right now uh, but that might change so we will see um <laughs> soon what happens intriguing on a slightly like different note from but from something that you just mentioned 
is that uh, those people that you have around you and the community that you have there how sort of different is it from here is that a is that a, is that a lack of uh, like similar minded people or is it because there's a cultural difference in how people approach these things or I, I'm just trying to ask uh, mostly because I'm also kind of trying to see like mm. we see that like out of like I don't know like 1500 people on our discord 30 people talk every week so mm. <laughs> so mm. like uh, so it's is it like a, it's sort a weird cultural thing I don't know I think it's it's hard to say exactly um it's also difficult because i'm entering here when the industry is already in a mature state whereas back home it's it's still it's still maturing and it's going to mature for a while i think um what is different here is that like there are people who've made um games that have been bored critically and commercially acclaimed or successful or um one of the two uh, and then then there's like um interesting perspectives and a lot of them so you know you can you can take what you like from all of these different perspectives and that's that's kind of nice um that's that said like from a community point of view i think the big difference is that the if i think like if i talk about like malmore copenhagen as a community they are like one city and there's like all the community concentrated there but when we talk about in india like usually the communities have been pan india uh and that's that's very different because um we can't have easily like hey let's all go to you know let's have a play test evening at, at the coffee shop or 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 at a bar and like you know 10 people show up with their games um that's very difficult we did one such event just before i left in mumbai and actually we did have 10 people with their games and that was really fun but uh, i i really think that community efforts need to be ground up and not top down it can't be an india wide thing it needs to be city based things uh and you know oh okay there's 50 game developers in in india uh, in mumbai and then okay you know 10 of them will show up for meetups every every month or or something like that and that will scale upwards more and you'll have more meaningful conversations coming out of that uh no disrespect to what you guys are doing but uh, this is just my personal yeah, no, opinion no, <laughs> no. Uh, how dare you sir <laughs> No, but uh, what's interesting is that uh, I think a lot of us are generally doing ground up things anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like there are people in Calcutta or, or in Delhi yeah. and Pune and Bangalore. Uh, there's a bunch of us here, even even places in Kerala and all that. So like uh, all those, it's just like, I mean, the Discord or whatever the community and yeah. all that is primarily just one more meeting point for uh all of these yeah. people to kind of get together like you were saying the meet up in mumbai uh like we do demo days where we we have like a huge amount of people come up come with like lots of games where feedback is kind of given and all that so so uh so yeah so like i 
that that is that is uh, that is i guess one one more thing to kind of keep in mind when we are doing more things yeah and like the, i think the lack like of ground up sorry sorry go on satish go on no yeah i think like yeah those kind of ground up events are super important but then again another difference i would say is that manmo or copenhagen or a lot of these cities are so small themselves like when you have i know it's it sounds very crazy but it's super like it's super accessible to be in either of the cities and go to any of their events like in mumbai or bangalore for example you have to sit in a 4 hour traffic jam if you yeah. if you want to go to an event i know it's a very silly sounding reason but it's a very practical yeah uh, that, it's a very practical it, thing it, it's like, not silly at all it, yeah yeah like people get annoyed ah, i have to go and meet i don't even like there's also already anxiety about going and showing your game to a bunch of strangers who who yeah. who sometimes you might think oh man but they have their shit figured out i have to go and show them my city game and then oh shit i have to wait for 4 hours in a fucking car sorry i have to wait for 4 hours in a car to to you know or in a train or whatever and through through insanely crowded trains so i think it makes it more difficult um to for people to go and be out there in in these bigger cities I know I did a I helped organize a global game jam site in Mumbai once where one person showed up. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. <laughs> I remember uh, attending a couple of uh, events that uh, Yadu and team had organized long back when they were meeting in Indranagar I think. Uh was it Indranagar? I think one of the events was at some Indranagar cafe shop or something like that. Uh, that's probably not me. Okay. Uh, Bangalore is that way like a kind of a cultural hotspot probably but it's probably larger uh, and and thankfully and and there are a bunch of different people also trying to do similar things uh, uh with 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 differences also like one is just to kind of hang out one is to just showcase your stuff uh one could be a jam so yeah so so that keeps happening in in Bangalore that way is kind of blessed with uh, like a like a I, I, there's also that concentration of a lot of industry folk which i guess also kind of helps out which is i guess yeah. the same case yeah. with malmo as well where like like a lot of the like the like a lot of people who are working in games is also con- concentrated in a particular area whereas yeah. when you compare like that to india like we're all spread yeah. out <laughs> on yeah here. exactly yeah Bangalore so uh, video games meetup was more of a gamers thing, right? Though, but it was primarily a lot of game developers as well. Yeah, yeah. because when I turned up at one of those, it was mostly uh, yeah. I, I think to the point that Chalish was making, game developers seem to be turning out a lot less themselves, as opposed to you know video gamers or generally uh, public who like to play games. Uh, yeah, so that seems to be a bit of a cultural difference that we don't. even now demo stuff for like to show stuff uh to other people and i'm also guilty of that i mean it's not just demoing it's also like just you know meeting up okay. and talking yeah. about uh, or like you know even talking about some other game you played it's just like the knowledge exchange needs to be yeah fast and furious <laughs> i don't know uh, i mean this is also just like me giving stuff from the top of my head so i i don't know if this really is the reason but i think 
Also, I think like there are very few like games that have like really broken through that have like come from India. And I think that makes a difference. Like, um, you know, something like a huge hit from India would would inspire a lot more people to do, to do something like that. And like, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're st- slowly getting more and more uh, interesting games that are coming out, uh, but it's that one massive, uh, it's also hard to like, probably blame everything on one missing hit but like i think it would inspire a lot a lot of people to dream and like try things and yeah so uh, in terms of um so like since since our focus is mostly on free to play and you see a pattern in in the last 10 years of the kind of games that we are making here uh, um like what is what could kind of drive that shift tech like, do you have any thoughts on that i think there's like two sort of industries uh, happening one is the ludo teampati those kind of games industry and they're they're i guess making some money um from what i understand um and then there's like the you know people that are trying to make uh, pc or console or or premium stuff. Um, and then I think they're also like getting slowly more and more um, success as, as as they learn more and more and time progresses and they're getting more exposure. Um, I, I think these two will continue to move in parallel, right? Like, because I don't see like people who are chasing the team, but the user base going after going after PC or console, double A or triple A or indie, triple I, whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of games and vice versa, right? So I think these two things will move in parallel. And obviously I think like, since we have a lot more people, I think trying to do the PC funded slash free to play slash, about the Ludo style games. We, we probably will hear a lot more about that too in the recent future. Um, so I don't really expect like overnight things to change, but I think slowly things will. Actually, I don't know if I answered your question. I started rambling at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Are you keeping an eye on what's happening here though? Like from, you know, are, are people in touch with you? Are people showing you stuff? Are you like seeing things happen? Not so much stuff that's being like, I'm, I haven't seen so much stuff. Like people aren't really sending me stuff, but uh, sometimes, um, and then sometimes I like, I mean, I know somewhat what's happening because I'm also on the Discord group that you run. And yeah, like, through social media and stuff. Uh, but there's like, you never know. There's always someone hiding in the shadows. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, but I would say uh, I have some some sense of what's happening still. I'm going to ask you, Shailesh, a straight up question and mm-hmm. you should give me a straight up answer. Should we make mythology-based games? Given that our culture Oof. is so rich in 
you know, mythological history and steeped in traditions. Why haven't we made a mythological game that's successful? Actually, we have made a couple. <laughs> we have made a couple yeah. of them. They're quite good. But yeah, what's the general the thought on that? The tricky part is that our mythology is based in religion that is still followed very fervently and very actively. Um, whereas I can do whatever to Thor and no one will really care. Uh, or like in a, in a mythological sense, like you can put him in a comic book and you yeah. can make him do outrageous things that probably didn't actually exist in, in the mythology, right? Like teaming up with the Avengers, for example. <laughs> like, uh, But like for us, you could probably make a comic book based on Ramayana, which some people have, but it still needs to follow some sense of like some version like we also have like thousands of versions of every single myth that exists right yeah like yeah. minor variations so you still probably need to follow some of those like you can't just like put ram fighting uh, aliens with superman like that's <laughs> not gonna happen i think um you could have a rama and also and, you know thor crossover yeah, I mean, <laughs> you need to talk to Marvel, I guess. <laughs> but I think, like, that's the thing. Like, it's also a religion that's being actively followed. So anything you do will be, like, looked at with extreme, uh, with, with, a, with a magnifying lens. And if you, you will offend someone <laughs> and it, it may become a big issue. And that might also, you know, like, I mean... We had fallout banned in India, for example, for having a cow, a mutant yeah. cow. Like, are you, are you, do you really think that it would be okay to make, I mean, you might be able to get away with it, but it's not always going to be the case. Uh, your creative freedom will be very limited, I think. Yeah, right. I think you, you see, you do see kind of parallels with film. Like, uh, I remember Scorsese made The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, and later Mel Gibson also made the uh, the Passion of the Christ. I think both films like were actively, like one was actively sort of kind of put down uh, while the other was kind of raised up. I remember like mm. people in church asking people to go and watch the Passion of the Christ, whereas the other yeah. one was kind of, uh, so especially yeah. what you see with an act of religion and how it can really affect how you kind of, yeah. You never it's know tricky. It's difficult. I mean, Maybe someone will do it and, you know, it will be amazing. I don't know. But uh, also, I there's so many things to make games or like make stories or things about. We don't necessarily have to restrict ourselves to those things. Um, yeah. I, I remember a, a manga with Jesus and Buddha together. <laughs> Saint oh, Yama. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I guess it also depends. It's also on that American Gods TV show, right? Like which yeah. has uh, gods from all over. But yeah, I think yeah. like yeah, you can do stuff like that when you're not here or when you're not like you're not in India and not from India. Maybe you're. I I'm not sure given all the right. political landscape yeah. how it would fly if you try something I, very I, colorful. Yeah, I think you're perfectly placed for doing something with Mahabharata. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually do like Mahabharata. It's quite interesting uh, as as a 
story. There's lots of interesting characters, but I don't really know if I want to make a, a mythological game. We'll see. Never say never, but not right now, at least. Maybe someday. <laughs> So uh, what are you up to nowadays? I mean, you said you're working on, uh, you're trying to continue working on that small game, Warigami. But uh, what is your general life been like in, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I have a day job, which is also in games. Uh, it's at a big AAA studio um, called Shark Mob. And yeah, I, I work there. Uh, most of the working day. So then I have very little energy left to work on other things. Um, so things are very slow. I'm not really actively working on origami as much um, I would like to, but uh, I'm not right now. And But I'm like uh, slowly thinking about uh, another idea, which is like a musical narrative game. Um, maybe doing like a very light prototype of that soon. So, but other than that, it's mostly just like, uh, you know, life things work and cooking. I love cooking. So I cook a lot. Um, I have two cats, so annoy them a lot <laughs> and uh, play with them a lot. And uh, generally I play tennis uh, a bit. So trying to keep, uh, keep good mental health because it's also very important to, to, yeah, try to keep your mental health good and focus on that stuff. How has this last year been? Is it, uh, was it easy? I mean, it wasn't the worst for me, I think, because I have worked remotely before as well. Um, and yeah, as I said, having two cats at home uh, is really nice because uh, just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even on uh, depressing rainy days, um, which we have a lot of here. Um, yeah, so it's it's been good. It's not been as hard as uh, things can get. I also think like Sweden has been very relaxed with their, like they, don't, they never really had a proper lockdown. So you could still, like we were very responsible very responsible uh, so we didn't really uh, go out much but like you know every once in a while you could still do something if you really wanted to uh, for your sanity so in that way it was fine are uh, companies abroad generally more uh, understanding of you know uh, employees basically being able to do something creatively on the side because here in India I know many companies don't actually encourage that or there are strict restrictions um, that's also one of those cultural things you were talking about I guess I think it's yeah I think it's depends on the company uh, but I have met a few companies here who are okay with you doing stuff on the side uh, and you can also negotiate that with with the company when you start off like hey i have these projects that i'm already doing and they are not really competing with the stuff you you guys do okay. um, so you know if i work on this in my spare time you you can negotiate those things um at least that's what i've found um and then if they're completely unwilling to budge on it you know you can decide like okay is this the place i want to be in or 
or not. Um, there are some places that probably don't allow you to do uh, stuff on the side, but yeah, I don't know. I've never, I haven't been in the, that kind of place so far. How has how different is it? Uh, I mean, uh, since you've worked at both these, both in India and both uh, 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 in India and in Malmo and and remotely and Copenhagen and, and yeah yeah and Copenhagen <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, what do you kind of? I know that you've worked here at different places at different times, also. So things could have definitely changed by now. But uh, kind of your experiences so far, how? Uh, like if you were to kind of go back to different things, how would you work differently or be, you know, kind of put a step, put your foot down on certain things and how do you, would you want to change things? Or... Oh yeah. Uh, I think companies in India, at least a lot of them do not care about their employees at all. Uh, like I worked for one company, which, uh, which after, tens of reminders didn't even bother refilling the hand soap in in the toilets for the employees and then us employees had to like pull in to buy soap for ourselves um so and like you know turning off the air conditioning at six when asking people to crunch uh till 11 p.m or 12 p.m or something uh in a huge office full of computers in in heat and humidity mm, uh, i don't really think like a lot of companies don't care about uh, employee uh, the employees and i think that's very problematic and it's just actually horrible um that said i think uh at least from what i hear a uh, bunch of that has changed now and that's good uh, hopefully uh, will get better. Uh, but still, I feel like it's much more employee-centric here. Like what you want to do, what where you want to grow, which, which direction, like all those things can affect the kind of role you have or which direction you want to take your career. And um, people are very flexible to those kind of suggestions if you're working at a place. And also, I feel like um, generally, the um, support systems around here are also quite strong. So there is, it's it's good. Like people feel more secure to to be themselves even in the job because you know they'll find something else or at least they have some support system. Um, it's yeah. I think I really hope that uh, more Indian companies start treating their employees as like huge resources and not as like labor or employee or you know just just shut up and do what i tell you to kind of mentality which i saw a lot of back home when i was working there um that said i know there's a lot of new companies that that don't do it that way and i hope there's more of them um yeah i i yeah i guess i think that answers your question maybe I don't know. I rambled again. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, do you, um, I know that you want to get back into uh, kind of tweaking Varigami and uh, 
and and going into this new narrative uh based game as well so are those like the immediate future plans but are there any far future plans that you are kind of uh sitting on or yeah. thinking about coming back to india maybe yeah not really thinking of coming back to india um i think it's in a very different place now than than when i left uh lots of uh also i mean you guys are are aware of how things are um back home um but long term i long term it would be nice to have like a like a good good healthy side uh, gig or like my own um you know games going again so yeah that's that's on my mind i don't know when or how but uh, yeah it's on day awesome shailesh prabhu 2022 so that's your uh, that's your future plan is it <laughs> i mean we'll see uh, i mean 2022 is around the corner already uh, yeah. so i don't it's crazy uh, but i don't really have anything right now that uh, i know would be in store for 2022 for me um but hopefully i can at least get another good prototype going and just like maybe build up a, a small team um to work on stuff on the side yeah hello monkey studio still exists right on paper um the company is closed down okay. uh, the website still exists but uh, yeah the company is defunct hmm yeah uh, we lasted 9 years and 9 months oh, awesome i think um yeah i think i don't want to revive that exact company either because it has it has its own history and own people who helped along the way so whatever i will do probably will be something new right uh just a very off topic question what games are you playing currently currently i just finished playing resident evil village and i will probably play warrior wear next <laughs> that's yeah. like one of two ends of the spectrum <laughs> yeah yeah and then i'm waiting very eagerly for elden ring ah um, yes yeah. you have a ps5 yes i did get one my uh, god yeah <laughs> to play demon soul remake yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah but i'll probably also play I, i play a lot on my switch as well i really like my switch i think it's solid console for me okay thank you so much for doing this yes. <laughs> thank you thank you for having me i feel kind of awesome about this <laughs> oh thank you so much thanks for having this old irrelevant guy on your <laughs> podcast again <laughs> hey that makes us old and irrelevant too that's three of us then <laughs> all right awesome thank you thank you
That is the end of this episode. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to catch you next time. If you want to talk about this episode or anything else, please drop by to the game dev.in Discord.